All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. I declare it is short weather and and sandal weather. I'm naming it and claiming it for for the rest of at least until October. I came into the studio today. I, I don't care that it's what like 40 degrees. I'm wearing shorts. He scares pastoral people. No. <laughs> I think it would be fantastic if we have a freak snowstorm when this airs. That yeah. would be awesome. <laughs> he, he, he thoroughly frightens uh, I, people. I heard him talking and I thought he, he said, I'm short. That's yeah, really like hey, Can we cue up the song now so that people have no reason to live? Can we cue? No, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Yeah, I'm yeah, short yeah, I so. and I like the weather. Well, that I am short, but I'm wearing shorts. Oh. Okay, so around the table today, Pastor Jonathan. When when Josh wears shorts, <laughs> it's like he's wearing capris. Capri. Was it going to go there or was it going to go there? It's not my fault. God made me this way. And that, we're talking about God's power today. But before we get to that, Pastor Jonathan from Dayspring Reformed Church. Brother, how are you? I'm doing remarkably average. <laughs> Uh, Pastor Russ from Cloverdale Reformed Church, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. I am Josh Bells from The Well, and we have a special uh, pastor guest host today, um, Pastor Ryan Hempel from, I'm going to get it right, Treasure Valley Reformed Church. So close. But uh, yes, uh, Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. Oh, yep. okay. Got to get the you're whole, close enough. You're the close whole enough. thing in there. Okay. That's right. RPC, Treasure That's Valley right. RPC. So, But thank you for having me. Yeah, well, we're glad you're here. Um, we are going through work. Is this is it fair to say that we're actually going through this book? I mean, we're using that it's as more a like it's just like a sketch. point. Yes, and and the book is "Do You Believe" by Paul Tripp. Thank you, because I know I would butcher that again. Um, basically, what we love about the book is what Tripp does with doctrine and practice. It's the two wings on a plane. If you don't have both wings, the, the, the plane is going down. God wants us to know who he is, and he wants us to apply that knowledge of him in our lives. And that's how all of the New Testament works. And, so, and this is what Paul Tripp does in this book. Uh, he, he, one, he defines an attribute of God, and then he shows how it works in our daily life. That's right. So we are on God's omnipotence this morning. Um, what is um, God's omnipotence? Let me give you a, a quote by Stephen Sharnock. He wrote a book called The Existence and Attributes of God. And, and he says, it is the power of God. The power of God is that ability and strength whereby he can bring to pass whatsoever he pleases, whatsoever his infinite wisdom may direct, and whatsoever the infinite purity of his will may resolve. God's power is like himself, infinite, eternal, incomprehensible. It can neither be checked, restrained, nor frustrated by the creature. Very quickly, it might be helpful to just provide some suggestions on books on the attributes of God, mm. um, because we're really beginning to work through those here. We started last week, and now um, Sharnock is a wonderful resource, but it's a commitment. So it's I'm not a, sure that would be low-hanging fruit if you're looking for an accessible book on the attributes of God. It's it's good. It's incredible. Um, it's thorough. It's like a thousand pages. So um, cla- it's two volumes. Uh, it's two a, volumes. A, a classic. Yeah. A, a classic book is. Um, uh, the Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer, but there's a, a book, um, a devotional guide to the attributes of God. It's called God Is by Mark Jones, which is an a, extremely accessible book. I think Mark Jones is going to revise Sharnock's work. Oh, actually, he's working on it. I think it's already been sent to uh, press, so he's it, it will be um, condensed a bit mm-hmm. and uh, the language updated. 
I think I mean any I think any good systematic theology book has short sections on the attributes of God that I think are helpful and you know Grudem um, in his systematic he he does what what Tripp's doing here where he essentially gives you the doctrine and then applies it I think mm-hmm. that sometimes the the shortcomings of some of these systematics is they give you the information and then they don't go the next step of application so I think Grudem bridges that gap well I really like A W Pink's. Just mm-hmm. simply, it's, it's entitled The Attributes, the Attributes of, God. of God. It's yeah, a it's really short little book. It's basically, what, two, two three pages a chapter um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on each of the attributes. I think it's, I mean, I think sometimes people hear A.W. Pink and are intimidated, but I, I actually think the book is, yeah. is very, yeah. yes. very, good. very accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's one that I, uh, I'm, I've been trying to remember the author, and I can't remember the author's name. And I, the title is, I believe, Praying Through the Attributes of God. Which kind of give a summary of mm-hmm. various attributes and and very ap- applicable for you know praising him for them. So yeah, okay. So Jonathan gave us the definition. Can you give us the definition one more time of God's um, omnipotence? Well, it's really his his almighty power in which he can do whatever he wills at any time at any place, however he chooses to exercise his power, and no creature can stay that he has he has ultimate power. I think sometimes it's, it's what makes God God. You know, I mean, if you don't have absolute power like that, if you don't have that omnipotence, there, you know, you don't have God. You, you, you I mean, if you don't understand that and believe that, you, you're no better than an atheist. Yeah, I think sometimes this is where people begin to wrestle with kind of some of the what I call the goofy things, like, well, if God is all powerful. Can he create a rock that he can't lift? Right. Can he? And and can God do contradictory things? Con, can God do contradictory things? Because in the definition it says God can do all things. Well, sometimes you can you'll hear it expressed that God has the power to do all His holy will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Children's Catechism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in that way, I like that definition just a little bit more mm-hmm. because it, it takes away some of those kind of secondary questions of of if God is all powerful then and then mm-hmm. you end up kind of in in goofy land is what I would call it um, just well, what difference does that question make yeah well it makes a big difference um, I mean during the Reformation yeah. so um, the Roman Catholic Church believed in what's called transubstantiation where they believe that the bread and the wine um, turned literally into the um, the body and blood of Christ, um, not so much the accidental attributes, the the taste of the flesh or the taste of the blood, but the essence turned to the mm-hmm. the body and blood of Christ. And Calvin refuted this on the grounds that that um, God's absolute power does not mean that He can do things contrary to His nature. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the Catholics <clears throat> in, in in response kind of said, "Oh, you well, you're limiting God." Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're limiting well, God by saying that God can't do contradictory well, for, things. For instance, you know, right. a good example of what He can't do against His n- nature is He can't sin. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's one. Of, I mean, this is something. In fact, we read that in in Titus uh, that this you know Titus says that He can't sin. Um, so He can do literally everything. He can't sin. He can't change His nature, and He cannot deny deny the demands of His holy character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He can't make a square circle, right? He can't. Well, you know, he can't lie. Yeah, I mean, Hebrews. He can't be self-contradictory, right? He can't lie. He can't be unfaithful. There's a whole bunch of things he that can't God can't cease do. To be God, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's part of the comfort in God being all-powerful is that He can't 
be contrary to who he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it'd be a terrifying thing to have an all-powerful God that could just, I mean. Yeah. We <laughs> see that with a two-year-old, yeah. you know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's, he's consistent, yeah. and he's mm-hmm. good, and, and it uh, all goes together. That's right. Well, maybe let's make a distinction real quick between um, what theologians call God's absolute power and God's ordinate power. So, in the book of Job, when um, Bildad is speaking, uh, by the way, you know the shortest man in the Bible is in the book of Job, right? It's, uh, isn't it Bildad the Shuhite? Yeah. Yeah. Shoe height? <laughs> yeah. Is there a drum roll or something? That, hey, no, Russ gets the no, cymbals, no, no, no. <laughs> That's 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 really, you're better than that guy. <laughs> hey, I'm just following you guys. Even even for you, that's low. Uh, oh, 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 funny. That's funny. Yep. So um, Job is responding to Bildad, and he starts going on um, this, you know, he gets on his pedestal, and he's talking about the power of God, and, and he talks about how God has inscribed a circle on the face of the waters. He made the boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble at his presence. And then he says... Um, in verse 14, in, in chapter 26, these are but the outskirts of his ways. How mm-hmm. small a whisper do we hear of him? Uh, but but the thunder of his power, who can understand? So, in other words, everything that we see about God, I love their older translations, it talks about these are just the, the fringe of his garment. Mm-hmm. So, everything that we see in creation hasn't even scratched the surface of God's infinite power. So, in other words, there's more power enclosed in the hidden nature of God than what we see in the ordained universe. So, absolute power refers to what God may possibly do, but but does not necessarily do. He could create a billion worlds of living creatures without actually deciding to do it. God's ordained power is what he is actually decreed according to his will. That's right. So from the beginning of time, he could have been creating every moment, and he could continue to create for all eternity. And and a, th- a thousand ages from now, he wouldn't have even got to one percent of of his power because it's infinite. Right. Mar- Mark Jones actually gives a, an illustration of this in his book God Is. Uh, he he says. The Bible explicitly draws attention to God's absolute and ordained power, sometimes mentioning both in the same passage. As an example of his absolute power, John the Baptist declares to the unrepentant Pharisees and Sadducees, and do not presume to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for a, a for Abraham. Yeah. There's absolute power. Yep. And you know, as far as we know, he doesn't he doesn't do that, but he could have done that according to his absolute power. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, what are some of your guys' uh, favorite verses on God's omnipotence? Uh, you know, Luke 137, for nothing will be impossible with God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's there's one. That's that speaks to his power. Yeah. I always appreciate Isaiah 40 um, just showing just the immensity of God, maybe more than his omnipotence. Um, you know, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, marked out the heavens with a span, and closed the depth of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in a scale and the hills in a balance. Um, there's this sense that God is beyond our ability to understand what he has the ability ability to do. And... I think probably maybe it's in the narratives of of the the scriptures that we see and understand and relate to a little bit more of the power of God. 
you have the disciples on the boat and Jesus sleeping and waking up, calming the storm, and the disciples are saying, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Mm-hmm. And they're more afraid in the calm than they yeah. are in the storm because they realize God is in the boat. Right. Mm-hmm. And that they, they've encountered a power that is they've never seen. Um, and they realize that that is, that is God, mm-hmm. um, that his ability by just merely saying a word is enough to, to calm the, the storm. In, um, in our worship service, we just read through the portion where um, Jesus and his disciples meet uh, the man possessed by legion in the tombs. And in a couple of areas, it shows just the marvelous power of God in that one. The gospel showed this man was a wild man that nobody could bind. He kept breaking chains and yet this legion of demons is terrified of Jesus. And then after he's set free and those demons are sent into a herd of 2000 swine who go rushing down and drown themselves, um, which always kind of makes me smile. The crowd comes out and they see what happened. They see the man sitting in peace in his right mind and they're terrified. And uh, so those just really just, show the power of our Lord. And then I was also going to mention the passages in Job that Tripp also mentions. We're going through it in family worship and um, just looking at the kids of God meeting Job and just displaying where were you when I did all these things Mm -hmm. and the humility that Job is left with as we face God's power. Amen. You've been listening to Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time. 